Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Grace on this rainy Sunday morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm Courtney Henson. I'm the Senior Quiz Coordinator uh, for our uh, Senior Quiz Program. And our quiz year has officially started, and I am here to highlight our outstanding senior quizzers. Will Lainey, Heston, Noah, and Joseph please come forward? So yesterday, our first practice tournament was held in Denham Springs, and we brought these four quizzers to represent Grace Church. They have been learning verses and practicing since October in preparation of the start of our quiz year. The team of Lainey and Heston, uh, first year quizzers in seniors, you guys. They quizzed juniors, uh, but they have not yet quizzed in seniors. They placed third overall in the intermediate division. The team of Noah and Joseph Watley, now Joseph, this is his first year in seniors as well, they placed second overall in the intermediate division. And this is very exciting, you guys, I'm so proud of them. All four of our quizzers earned a spot on the all-tournament team, which is quite a feat. That means that all four of them had some of the highest averages in the tournament. They had a great day, and they represented Grace Church wonderfully. Um, we have a lot of learning ahead of us over the next seven months. That's about how long our year lasts. And I'm looking forward to having a front row seat to the spiritual growth that these guys are going to incur. Um, it's going to be a fun year full of lots of learning, and uh, I'm just happy to be along for the ride. So thank you guys. Well, good job, quizzers, and good morning, Grace Church. It is so good to see everyone. I want to welcome you here to campus today. Those joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, thank you for making this service a part of your schedule, and uh, we know it will be a blessing to you. Before we kick off this morning and start our worship set, I do want to just remind you of our church schedule here over the next several days. Of course, our 21 Days of Sacrifice continues. And I thank everyone who is participating in that, and uh, that'll go all the way through January 22nd. Uh, we'll have uh, Tuesday morning prayer this Tuesday at 10 o'clock here in the sanctuary. Make a note of that. And then Wednesday night, very excited uh, to announce that we're going to have a missionary service. Our missionaries to, Bra to Brazil, uh, Aaron and Tiffany Anderson, will be with us. So come Wednesday night uh, expecting to be blessed, but also to be a blessing to these missionaries, and uh, we always are blessed in our missionary services. And then ladies, if you'll make a special note, February the 26th is the ladies' tea held at the Cottage Tea Room, and uh, that cost is $25, ages 12 and up, and uh, you will want to go online. There is a category that's been set up on the payment tab, and you can go ahead and pay and get registered there on the, on the church app or website. Again, that's February 26th for all of the ladies, 2 to 5 p.m. at the Cottage Tea Room. You'll be looking forward to that. Last announcement, and then I'm going to have you stand, and we're going to uh, begin our worship set. Uh, I think all of our students and parents know by now, but just in case, uh, students 15 years old and up are invited to join us on the trip to North American Youth Congress happening July 26th through 28th in St. Louis. If you're a parent or a student, and, you know, 15 years 
your student is 15 years older and you want to be a part of that, please see me after church. I believe everybody's got the information. I believe we've communicated it. But just in case I've missed anybody, I wanted to make one last appeal today. Today is the deadline to let me know that you're going. No money due today, but I do need to have a head count today so that we can register this week. So let me know if you do not have the information or have any questions. I'll hang around after church to answer your questions. And uh, we're just looking forward to a great trip. It's going to be life-changing. I believe our students will be blessed by it. And so I uh, just wanted to highlight that here this morning before we start our service. Stand with me. The psalmist said, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And he didn't qualify that, did he? He didn't say that uh, it's a day where it is not raining or a day where the sun is shining. Uh, He just said, God made this day, and I am going to do everything I can to give him praise and to give him worship and to rejoice. The praise team is coming to lead us to do just that today, and I'm going to challenge you. Throw yourself into this worship service. Let's give it all we've got. Let's worship the Lord. This is the day. This is the opportunity. This is the moment. Clap your hands to Jesus right now, and let's worship together.
exactly what I need. You fill my heart with faith to trust you. I lift my hands as I believe. You're the God of healing, restoration power. Nothing is too hard for the Forsake the weak and weary, the heart of heaven you reveal. I speak your name and I see victory. I speak your name and I am healed. You're the God of healing, restoration power. Oh,
today that believe that whatever it is in, in my life right now, Pastor, it's, it's not movable. It can't change. I can't have that breakthrough. I remember the Bible said in at least a couple of places, for with men, all things are impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. 
There's a house full of living, breathing miracles standing in this room right now that will tell you that yes, God can move anything and he can break through anything. And I feel that spirit here today that God wants to have his way. God wants to help some people here today and I'm on board with that. How about you? You on board with that? I believe God wants to do some amazing things here today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Let me have you sit down for just a moment before our speaker comes. Um, I'm so excited about beginning this new year. Somebody sent me a text uh, recently that described all of the, at least at least most of the first in the Bible. Uh, you had, of course, in creation, you had lots of first, many, many first in creation, and then went through the Bible with so many first. And I believe this could be the first of not just a new year, but the first of some of the most amazing things we've seen to date in our relationship with God and in our church. I believe that. I believe that. You're going to be hearing more about that in the very near future. And uh, I want to thank everybody that's participating in our 21 days of sacrifice. I've heard, have been privy to several conversations already this week uh, about, about the fast, uh, the benefits of it, the blessings of it, and then even those that forgot they were fasting and ate something that they shouldn't have eaten and drank something they shouldn't have drank, but it's okay. Uh, just climb back up on the wagon and uh, just keep moving forward. But thank all of you that is participating in that. It means everything uh, to the kingdom of God, to Grace Church. And uh, I encourage you to proceed forward with all of your might. Thank the Lord. Uh, I'm so excited to be here today to make this presentation, this announcement, these announcements. As, um, as you know, last fall, uh, we ran uh, 10 weeks of our connect groups. That was the most successful small group effort we've had at Grace Church. It was tremendously successful. It brought just a whole new life and spirit to Grace Church that I am just so supremely thankful for and we're still feeling the effects of that and there were fruits that were harvested yes there were there were fruits that were harvested uh, as a result of our our connect groups well here we are again and getting close to the time to uh, proceed with our next semester being the first semester of this year and we will essentially plan to run it for eight weeks this time instead of 10. We'll run it eight weeks and it'll run essentially through from Valentine's Day to Easter. Um, so we plan to launch on February the 13th and then it will conclude on April the 8th, Easter Sunday. So that'll be about eight weeks. So here's the schedule. If everybody would listen carefully, I'll have this email to you. I'll have this texted to you uh, this coming week to everybody at Grace Church so you'll know what the calendar looks like for our connect groups because we want everybody to be a part of it. It's just such a great and intricate part of the church and it does things that no other church ministry can do. And, uh, and we, need it, uh, we need it right now and uh, it is such a blessing. So listen very carefully. On uh, 
January the 18th on Wednesday night, that's a week from this coming Wednesday night, we will introduce Connect Groups again to the entire church on Wednesday night. Listen very carefully. <clears throat> All of you should have received a text message or an email. Uh, if you're on our text message, email list, what have you, uh, we are uh, yet again, as technology continues to move forward, as it continues to move forward, we're, we'll, we are, have launched a new Grace app. And uh, it's going to be a whole lot easier to use. I think it's a whole lot more user-friendly. And uh, it is actually designed, a big part of its design hinges around church that do connect groups, small groups, that kind of thing. It's going to be fantastic. So when I present our connect group presentation on January the 18th, I'm going to save about the last 15, 20 minutes of that service to have uh, Casey and Chris Watley are going to come and show you how to install that app and give you a little bit of information on how it works uh, so everybody can get connected and be a part of it. Um, our old Grace app, uh, if it's not working at this point, it will soon be in a place where it will not work and it's not us, it's the companies that are buying each other out and doing all this stuff. Uh, so come prepared for that. <clears throat> Then on January the 22nd, we're going to be presenting our Connect Group Fair in the Alexander Center of immediately following the altar service of that Sunday morning. And uh, you can walk through and look for a, a, a Connect Group that you'd like to join, that you'd like to be a part of, keeping in mind it'll only run for eight weeks. And then on February the 5th, on Sunday evening at 6 o'clock in the A Center, I'd like to meet with all of you that would like to be a Connect Group leader. Uh, we do ask that you be a member of Grace Church, that you've been through our Grace Steps membership uh, classes. And, uh, but if you are a member of Grace Church, certainly a member in good standing, we'd encourage you to come and uh, hear the presentation about being a Connect Group leader. And um, in the ensuing week or two after that, we'll be launching our Connect Groups, and I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. And I believe God's going to do some amazing things. We're going to put a little more of an outreach, uh, make a little bit more of an outreach effort in our connect groups this time, but certainly want everyone in the church to participate, uh, find your connect group and get involved in it and uh, let it be a huge blessing to you. And everybody said, amen. Thank the Lord. Thank you for that. You'll be receiving more information through our weekly email. Also, I'll have every, you email uh, just specifically with this information so everybody will be in the know. Thank the Lord. All right, stand with me. I did not break up the spirit of this service. I do not believe there's a wonderful spirit of worship, wonderful spirit of praise here today. But I've also felt a, a longing for a touch of God in the congregation today, that people here today would just, just really appreciate and value to have a real intimate moment with Jesus this morning. I believe God wants to accommodate that because I believe he wants to be intimate with us. I believe he wants his church close to him today. And uh, it's our honor and our privilege today to have Brother uh, Aaron Holloway with us, Brother A.J. Holloway. So thankful he's here, a man that is incredibly used in the kingdom of God, used in the spirit of God in such a mighty way. Um, he stays busy. Uh, I will admit to you, he's hard to get. 
And uh, we're thankful today to have him, and I say that in all due respect. I believe he's heard from God today, and he has something to give to us from the kingdom of God. Thank the Lord. Before he comes, I want us to pray. I want everybody to pray and ask God to have his way in the remainder of this service, shall we? Jesus, we love you today. We reach out to you. We're reaching out to you. And we're thankful, God, for your presence, for the power of the Holy Ghost that we have felt here today already. I'm thankful, God, that you are in the midst of us all. There's no one here today excluded from your presence. We're all here today <clears throat> securely uh, in the presence of God and feeling the comfort of your spirit. <clears throat> but I believe today, God, you want to take us to a new place, a new dimension, a new level in you. And I pray, God, that you would challenge our faith this morning, our confidence, our trust in you. Help us, God, to be open to the Holy Ghost. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Welcome Brother Holloway as he comes to preach to us today. Praise the Lord. I was just praying, and this has nothing to do with what God has directed me to minister today, but I just feel to kind of open up with this. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5, 19, it says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And that kind of leaves us with a question, what is a psalm, what is a hymn, and what is a spiritual song? If you go through the Bible and you study the difference in those three, you'll find some unique things that the word for song is something that you sing when everything is going right. When everything is going well in your life, you'll sing a song. When you sing a psalm, that is what you sing when nothing is going right. Everything is falling apart. It doesn't seem like God is hearing anything. And you'll find a common denominator that both right and wrong seasons, calamity and blessing, both have a common denominator, and that is singing. That is worshiping. It is giving him honor and praise. And that is unique to me because when you read in Genesis, you'll find that Adam is without a wife. And that's a little strange to us because God always knew he needed one. God knew that there was no suitable helpmate anywhere in the garden, right? He knew that those animals weren't good for him. Why did God allow a season of searching throughout an entire animal kingdom and all the while God knew that none of them were suitable? Because without that season, God cannot get a song. And when he put Adam to sleep, when Adam woke up, it says this, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken from man. That is not a statement. If you read it in the original Bible in Hebrew, that is a song. God knew I will never hear Adam sing unless he has a season without. A season of searching for what he needs and never being fully satisfied. But when he goes to sleep and he wakes up. So before we move any further, I know that in a congregation, this isn't me discerning anything. This is just life and ministering and going from place to place and knowing people. There's songs in the room where you just probably got to pay raise. Everything's going right. But there's also psalms in the room where nothing is going right. And both deserve one thing at all times. Worship. The music is never supposed to happen from the musicians and singers to the congregation. When you walked into this room, you were the music. You were the worship. 
This is just provoking it out of us. It's, we don't rely on them, though they're gifted and talented anointed. It's you are the song. So before we move any further, would you lift up your hands? Whether you're in a psalm or a song season, all across this room, here's how we do it. We're no longer offering animals on an altar. The Bible says offer up praise, which is the fruit of your lips, the sacrifice of praise. Now what we do is we offer up our lips unto him. We worship him outwardly. We lift up our voices. No silence. If God wanted silence from us, he would have never given us a mouth. So across this room, would you lift up your voices? Whether you're in a song or a psalm right now, God cares. Whether you're going through the best time of, the, of your life or the worst time, would you worship him for just a few moments? I believe that there's angels rushing into this room right now. I believe that there's an anointing that's been held in reserve for you today. That God is going to spur you to love and good works. God is going to provoke you. He's going to encourage you. But God is going to extract from you some powerful anointing that can only come through the season that you're currently in right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know all things and you do all things well. So God, what you know about this room, only you know, God. So minister through me, the vessel today, God, I submit myself unto you. God, these are your people, your bride. I pray that you come alongside her today. You speak to her in the name of Jesus. Stir up the gifts of the spirit that are within the body today, God. I'm not here to minister by myself, but I'm here to minister with your people today, God. As you use them and as you use me, God, let us minister together. In the name of Jesus, we give you honor. We give you praise for all that you do, and only you can do it, God. In the name of Jesus, holy, 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 holy. Praise God, praise God. I want to go to the text this morning that I'm feeling in my soul in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 15. I did not get with media. I've just been feeling a direction of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit's often a wind, and I'm a weather vane, you're a weather vane, and we're trying to catch the direction of the wind. And sometimes you don't know that until the last second. Sometimes you know it in advance. And so today was one of those days where I'm feeling the blowing of the wind in the moment. And so I want to be sensitive to that. And I apologize to media. But thank you for being spirit-led with me. At 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 15 through 22, and I give honor to, to Pastor Murphy. So thankful for him, thankful for his leadership and godliness. I feel God is ministering through him to this city. Amen. I don't just say that. I don't believe in lying, so I don't say things unless I mean them. I really believe God is ministering through him to this city, and I'm thankful that he is here and his authority is in this area. Amen. It says, And Samuel arose and got him up from Gilgal unto Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people that were present with him, about 600 men. And Saul and Jonathan his son and the people that were present with him abode in Gibeah of Benjamin, but the Philistines encamped in Michmash. And the spoilers, everyone say spoilers. They came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned into the way that leadeth to Ophrah unto the land of Shual. Another company turned away to Bethoron, and another company turned to the way of the border that looketh to the valley of Zebuim toward the wilderness. There was three companies of spoilers that were dispatched, and they had one specific objective, one goal in mind, and it tells us a little bit of their objective in verse 19. Now there was no smith found through all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share and his culture and his axe and his mattock. So it came to pass in the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan. But 
with Saul and with Jonathan, his son, was there found. Really quickly, you don't have to go there, but it's a familiar passage. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want to minister with you today on the spirit of a spoiler and the spirit of a blacksmith. That's what I feel to impart today, and I do feel that there's an impartation. It's, it's a different service. It's not one where we will be cheer-led. It is not one where we will be, you know, encouraged. It's one where we will be challenged to go into this new year with weapons, and God is going to impart that. And I felt when you worshiped a moment ago, angels came in here bearing gifts, and I believe that God is going to challenge every household, every home, and every man and every woman, and you're going to go home equipped, and you're going to begin the process now of doing what God has called us to do on the onset of 2023. Would you lift up your hands one more time, and would you just begin to pray? Would you begin to make supplication unto the Lord, asking him to move? Supplication is asking, prayer is wrestling, so let's do both right now. Father, in your name, I ask you that you would speak into this atmosphere, that you would speak to your people specifically what you are calling each and every one of us to do. Now, God, as you challenge us, our flesh doesn't always like it, so that's where prayer comes in. Lord, we're going to wrestle with my will versus your will, and I want you to win the wrestling match. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So, God, what you speak to me, Lord, I want to come into alignment. I don't want to be hearers of the word only, but I want to be a doer of it. Now, God, I believe that there are people in this room who have chosen to stand the test of time, and, God, here they are as faithful people. God, these are, your these are your soldiers, your warriors. I pray that you would equip them for the revival that you have for this city, for this region. Lord, put the weapons in their hand of what you're calling them into. In the name of Jesus, I'll give you glory for whatever takes place today. Everyone say amen. amen. You can be seated. It's between the 16th and 17th centuries that there were two European nations, the Dutch and the Portuguese, that tried to colonize Brazil. The Dutch came first, and their tactic that they employed against Brazil was force and cruelty. They dominated and they oppressed the people. They forced them into slavery. However, it was because of this forceful breach that the Brazilian people rose up and they began to fight back simply because they had nothing else to lose. When an adversary comes in with cruelty, the one on the receiving end is usually left with nothing, and so that provokes in them a fight because what else have we got to lose? The Portuguese came in, however, and tried a subtler tactic. They came bearing gifts. They came with trinkets of glass. They came with beads. They come with clean running water, which were things that the Brazilian natives could not get for themselves. They still enslaved the people, ultimately, but they did so not with cruelty, and forcefulness, but they did it with gifts. They did it with bribes, not oppression. They gave the Brazilian people something that they were afraid to lose, something that they were afraid to fight against. If we fight, we lose these comforts. They made the people unwilling to fight back. They weren't happy, but they had way too much now to lose in order to do something drastic such as a revolt. Let me start off today by saying that the devil really does not care that you're sitting in a church service right now. He is uncomfortable about it, I will admit, but he is not really upset about us being tithe payers. He's not upset about us being 
faithful churchgoers. It makes him uneasy, and he knows that this is a good place for each and every one of us to hear the word of God. But he does know that a Bible sits on our mantle every evening. And he knows whether we're reading it through the week or if we're hearing it once a week. So he's not uncomfortable if we're just in a church service. He is frustrated, though, by people that bear arms and war against him. These are the things that cause him great fear. And I will admit to you that hell is way more afraid of you. I'll say that again. Hell is far more afraid of the church. In our text, we see that the children of Israel are being led by the carnal leadership of Saul. And it was a time when their arch nemesis, the Philistines, had won a victory over them. And while it is to be imagined that the Philistines had much bloodshed and there was much cruelty and much forcefulness, we do not see that within the biblical text. It's evident that they did not entirely wipe out the children of Israel. The Philistines did not care that they were still going into their synagogues. The Philistines did not care that they were still going into the temple every day, offering up sacrifice. They didn't care that there was a, a mercy seat. They didn't care that Israel had a king. They didn't care that the king had a son. The Philistines was not worried about any of those things. What they specifically targeted was not King Saul. They did not specifically target their temple. They didn't come against the outer court, inner court, holy of holies, because they're ignorant to the things of God. What they said was, if we're going to cripple a nation, what we need to do in our carnal thinking is we need to come against the thing that they have in their camps that's going to utilize and create for them weapons that will cause us trouble. So when we infiltrate them, let's take from them the things that aren't spiritual. Let's let them keep those things. But let's take from them the things that will cause us trouble, which is the blacksmith who's going to make swords. If we take from them the blacksmith that's going to make swords, we're also taking the individual that's going to make for them the pitchforks for their fields of harvest. We're going to take from them the individual that's also going to cripple their economy by way of putting total dependency on us because the Bible tells us that every man went to the Philistines to sharpen his mattock, his culture, and his axe. We will make them dependent upon us, not by cruelty and force, but by dependency. We will take from them things and we will force them into a position of needing us. And by putting them in such a position, this will put them in a place of dependency, and they won't revolt because they'll need us. When the blacksmith was taken, it stifled the hope of retaliation. When the blacksmith was taken, it minimized the hope of, a, of an uprising. When the blacksmith was taken, it resulted in absolute dependency. When the blacksmith was taken, the enemy slept much better at night because there was no worry of people coming in the night to plunder their camp. And when the blacksmith was taken, it haltered progress. A blacksmith was a person who could form objects from metal or steel by forging it with a hammer or with other utensils. The forearms of a blacksmith would force raw steel to submit until it became a visual representation of the vision that the blacksmith had of it. It was just raw steel until that blacksmith got hold of it. And when he got hold of it, he would look at it and he would say, what you see is just steel and in its most base form, but what I see is a weapon. And I'm not going to stop until it has been 
conformed into the vision that I have of it. I won't stop smiting. In fact, that's where the word smith comes from. It comes from the word to smite because he would not cease. He would not stop even if he was tired. That's why his forearms were swollen because he would not stop smiting until that thing that was unyielding was heated to maximum capacity and it was turned into the vision that he had for it because the blacksmith knew without me, my brothers and sisters on the battlefield don't have victories. Without me, my brothers and sisters in the fields don't have harvests. Without me, every household is now vulnerable. The unsung hero of every village was not just King Saul, but the blacksmiths that resided within that kingdom. The same individual made the utensils to which the common man would work in his home. The quiet and humble blacksmith was the man responsible for providing the tools to build their kingdoms by providing hammers and the proper tools necessary for kingdom expansion. The blacksmith would work until the object he was trying to create was a finished product. There was, hear me today, no compromise as he understood that he would either make or break the battlefield and the kingdom. There was no cutting corners in that dark little metal makeshift canopy. Only the best was to be placed into the hands of soldiers and kings and the ones who would go on battlefields and into the fields of harvest. He felt the weight of responsibility that would set upon his shoulders so he would work until he finished the task. From early mornings into late evenings, he would smite and he would provoke steel. He would heat it to the maximum capacity until it was glowing red and then he would smite it. And then he would keep on smiting until it was formed. And then he would place it back into the fire to temper it for the tempering of the steel, heating to maximum capacity. And then placing that sword into that cold water would make sure that the steel held its shape and it would hold its edge so that when they fought, the sword didn't go dull because you don't live in the fire. And I feel that in my spirit for you right now. The sword isn't designed to live in the fire. It's designed to be shaped by the fire. And when it comes out of the fire, it's cooled down so that it can hold the edge that was given to it in the fire. But on the battlefield, outside of the problems, it still remains sharp because it had gone through the fire. And by coming through that fire, it held an edge like no other sword. It was heated to maximum capacity. And only courageous rays of light would creep between those crevices in that little metal makeshift canopy. There was no one there competing for his attention. The only thing competing for the attention of a blacksmith was the flickering flame of a fire that would form metal into his image. The only sounds that were heard in that little dark makeshift canopy that the blacksmith would reside in was the talkative sounds of flame and the striking sound of hammer against metal. There were no crowds. There were no cheering him on. There was no choir. There was no one preaching and encouraging to him. There was zero glamour involved. The work was dark. It was gritty and it was unpraised. But the blacksmith would be the unsung hero of every single war. Nobody has to give me notoriety. Nobody has to pat me on the back. Nobody has to tell me good job. The fact that my brothers and sisters 
sisters are coming back from the field of harvest with arms full of sheaves is telling me that I was victorious. The only victory and the only affirmation that I need is the fact that my brothers and sisters are coming back off of that battlefield and their lives are still in their hands and they have weapons that are still sitting on their waist. That is my affirmation. I am the craftsman that chisels out victories long before the sword is unsheathed. I am the craftsman that forms people into the image that was on my mind. I don't need the crowds. Every one of us today must be aware of the blacksmith because all of us have one in our personal lives. Every single person in this room has a blacksmith. From the platform to the pew to the sound booth, from the singers to the Bible study teachers to the ones who don't have a quote-unquote leadership role, you have a home. And every one of you are a priest of your home. Every one of us go home with a blacksmith. And every single one of us have a spoiler that has been sent throughout to take from us our blacksmith. I feel the need and the unction in the spirit to reveal to you the name of a blacksmith. He goes by one name and one name only. The name that is on the chest that says, hello, my name is, of every blacksmith in this room is a powerful and profound prayer life. His name is prayer. His name is prayer. He's the one that's in a dark little canopy seeking out the face of God. And prayer has on its mind the vision of what you can be. Prayer's going to be there when you go through the fire. Prayer's going to be there saying just keep on enduring this problem. Keep on. There's a reason for the issue. There's a reason why you're going through so much turmoil. There's a reason why God's trusting you with this season of life. I know it feels like God is hammering on you. I know that it feels like hell is not letting up. I know that it feels hotter than it's ever been. But here's what's going to happen when God takes you in his hand and he cools all that that season of fire down. You're going to hold an edge like you've never held before and you're going to go into your cities. You're going to go into your harvest. You're going to go into your schools. You're going to walk into places you've never walked into and when you walk into that place, they're going to look at you and they're going to see, oh, look at the hashtag blessed life and you're going to look at them and say, you weren't there in the little metal makeshift canopy when I was heated to maximum. You weren't there when there was the talkative sounds of flames was the only thing cheering me on. Nobody has to pat me on the back. Nobody has to give me a title. Nobody has to cheer me on. I don't have to be cheer-led in a church service. I don't have any. Nobody has to call me to pray because the season is provoking that in me. I, my weapons are not carnal, but they are powerful through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I didn't come onto this battlefield with talent. I didn't come here with ability. I didn't come here with anything else. I came here with a prayer life. I came here knowing the only way that I'm going to make it through this fire is by submitting myself to the hand of the blacksmith. Prayer is going to be there. And what prayer does is he does this. He smites us until we are conformed into the image of the Son. That's what he is striving to do. But when we take ourselves out of the prayer room, because we've convinced ourselves that prayer is what we do to get out of the fire. No, no, you got to understand the difference between prayer and supplication. What we've done is we have, and I have done it, so I put myself here with you. I've always thought that prayer was asking God for stuff. Because in English, it, we, it literally means to ask. Prayer is from an English word, which means, give me that, I pray thee. It is not what that means in Hebrew. Prayer in Hebrew means to wrestle with something. And when you wrestle, you're supposed to lose. The same way, Jacob went into an all-night prayer meeting, and he asked for a blessing, but he didn't get one. 
He got a crippling is what he got. He was being conformed and he was smote on his thigh until he could walk differently. And three things happened to him in that prayer meeting. He was asking for a blessing and the angel says, I'm not here for a blessing. I'm here to put a weapon in your hand. And you can't get a weapon through prayer. You're going to have to get it through submission, which comes by prayer. What we do when we pray is we hear the will of God. In prayer, in our flesh, we don't like it. We don't like the will of God at times. God, why have you done this? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why do I pray all night, according to Psalms, and my bones rack me in my sleep? Why does it feel like that you're far off? Why is it that you're silent? Those are all prayers. It's us going in and saying, I don't like the reality of what you're shaping me into, but what I am going to do is I'm going to submit to the smiting of the hand, which only comes through prayer. Supplication is asking, and it's okay to ask. It's perfectly fine to come before the Lord and ask him of some things. For example, Jesus does it in a prayer meeting in the garden. Is it possible that this cup can pass from me? That's supplication. And once he realized this cup's not passing, I'm going to have to drink the bitter cup that you all poured out. The wine that you were intoxicated with was sin. I'm going to have to drink the sin cup so I can purify it as water out of my rib for your benefit. And so what he does is he says, okay, the cup can't pass, so let me pray. Not my will. You cannot say that in the flesh. You can only say, not my will, but thy will be done when you have been soaking in that little dark metal makeshift building where the talkative flame of fire and the maximum heating up of your flesh has been taking place. And it's in that prayer meeting where you begin to get conformed into the image of the son which prayed in that olive garden. You begin to look like him, sound like him. And through prayer, when you start looking like him, when you walk out of a prayer room sharpened through prayer and you come out there every adversary doesn't see you anymore they see the image of Jesus all over you and when you walk out of that prayer room looking like him because you submitted to him through the fire you walk out in every principality in every region looks at you and they say behold the warriors are amongst us they don't even have to unsheathe the sword they can see the sharpness of it sitting on your waist they can see you going into the fields of harvest why because you had a blacksmith in your life but if I were a spoiler I would target every church and I would go in and I would try to rob a blacksmith I wouldn't take your attendance I wouldn't affect your tithing I would tempt you and I would come against you with the cares of this life that's what I would do I would give you something that you're afraid to lose for trading it in with prayer. That's what I would do if I wanted to affect people in the end times. If I were an adversary, I'd be uncomfortable if you were sitting in the pews. I would be frustrated about it, but I wouldn't be that uncomfortable until I started hearing this when you left. You know what it does to hell when a man rises up early in the morning at the unction of the Spirit and you walk out and before you check your cell phone, before you did anything, before you checked, you checked all of the all of the scores from NASDAQ and you checked all of those things and before you checked the football stats and before you did anything, the first thing you did when you walked out of that bed was you lifted up holy hands without wrath and doubting and you said, God, here, I'm going to pay my tithe of my time first thing in the morning. I'm going to give you 
you the first fruits of my lips right now before I do anything, before my eyes are set on a screen, before my lips say anything to even my spouse, I'm going to lift up your name. When you do that, the adversary begins to hear the sound of a blacksmith smiting away. And that's the most uncomfortable sound in all of hell is when a child of God, it's when the woman of God is sitting there and with all the busyness that you have, taking care of kids, working full-time jobs, doing all the hard things that moms do, and yet you stop in the middle of washing your dishes as the Holy Ghost prompts you or whatever it is you're doing in the middle of work and you just raise your hands wherever you are and you say, God, this body belongs to you. God, I am a bondsman in Christ. God, I offer up this body a living sacrifice for this is my reasonable service. And when you begin to pray and you begin to worship him, when you begin to do that, the adversary hears the sound of a blacksmith and it makes people uncomfortable sometimes. It makes the adversary uncomfortable, especially when a young person tells their teacher, hey, I want to go into that schoolroom next door. And when they ask you what for, you look at them and say, look, I just want to go get along with God for a moment. They're going to look at you like you're strange, but something happens when you begin to pray. It changes the whole atmosphere of a church service. It changes the whole atmosphere of a home. It changes the entire atmosphere of a school. You don't even realize this, young man. There was a young man that launched one of the great awakenings. It started at an elementary school where a nine-year-old boy went up to his teacher and he said, hey, would it be okay with you if during recess I prayed instead of played? And the teacher said, yes, just don't bother any of the students. And so what he did is this nine-year-old boy went out into a yard and began to pray. And every principality that was surrounding that place would hear a nine-year-old because prayer is not looking for the elders. It's looking for anybody that's willing. And when they started hearing the sound of that blacksmith, here's the thing. There were some soldiers around them didn't even know there were soldiers, Brother Murphy. They began to join with him in prayer. And by the end of that semester, they had 60 young men out in the middle of a schoolyard praying. The town next door to them got word of it and prayer jumped to them. And that's what launched out one of the great awakenings was from a nine-year-old boy that said, I want to pray. I'm, we have not gotten too big. We've not gotten too educated. We've not gotten too sophisticated for prayer. This is a praying church and I can feel it. But I also feel the principality that's been released during a pandemic. pandemic has released a spoiler not just here it's across North America everywhere I travel I can feel that this subtle spirit has come in and it's given them time away from church I asked God about what happened during one of the pandemics he said it's been a spoiler it's been released across the camp and I said God what is it doing he said as people have gone home and have watched online they claim they're praying and they type in lifting their hands he said but the adversary has been watching they haven't been the prayer has fallen lax he said and so when they come back there's going to be spiritual muscles that are going have to be revived and there's going to be things that they're going to have to learn how to smite against the most aggravating sound in all of hell is the sound of a child of God not on a Sunday, not on a Wednesday but on Mondays, on Tuesdays Thursdays, Fridays and yes even Saturdays as we rise up and we begin to come against the prince of a city as we begin to war against the prince of the city, I'm here to prophesy to you today that it's not always going to be fire it's not always going to be heated up to maximum 
maximum capacity. It's not always going to go unpraised. There's going to be a season where you come out of a prayer room and everything that the Holy Ghost was trying to do to you in that prayer room is finished. It's accomplished. And I feel under the unction of the Holy Ghost to tell the church here in this city, here in central Baton Rouge, I'm here to speak to you and tell you that you are on the verge of the last strike that has been sent from hell. I can see it in the spirit that the sword is about to full on take its final shape, Brother Murphy. Your leadership has been led by God. Your leadership has been ordered by God. You have done everything God has asked you to do. And God's given you a vision. You spoke just a little bit to me in the office that even tonight y'all are going into prayer. I feel like the last thing is about to happen. The fire is about to diminish. It's about to stop being so hot. It's going to stop feeling like it's just a constant hammering. And it's about to step into the dimension of that sword's about to be on the sheath of God in this region. God's about, he's watching, he's seen faithfulness. You have gone through hell on earth, many of you. You have felt it within this church through deaths. You have felt it through people saying, I don't want to attend there anymore, and have walked away. Some of you have felt it from family members who said, why are you still going to church? And you have remained faithful to the house of God. It's about to die down, and you're about to get the shape that God has designed you to have. I've been sent here by the Holy Ghost on this Sunday morning to just speak to the people of God and to tell you and to encourage you, don't let up on the prayer. Don't let up on the sacrifice. You're in the middle of fasting right now. It's ordered of God. You're going to be going into prayer this evening even. I admonish all of you to be here, not just those that are called to prayer because we're all called to it. I believe that tonight should be just as big of a crowd as it comes to the things of God and of prayer. I believe that many of you are going to get revelation and the fire's about to let up in this city and in this region because you have finally proved unto God through the seasons, God, I'm not going anywhere. Would you lift up your hands right now? I feel an impartation in this place. I feel a strong unction of the Holy Ghost that there's going to be moms and dads praying in living rooms. I can see it in the spirit that there's going to be holy homes. There's going to be godly prayer-filled homes. And what they're going to do, Pastor Murphy, is they're going to bring what what they got at home here to the church service. They're going to be having prayer meetings in houses. And there's going to be neighbors that are hearing the sound of prayer. There's going to be neighbors that are being devoured by an adversary. But they're going to hear somebody who has weapons and they're going to come knock on the door and they're going to say hey what is that sound that I hear and you're going to look at them and say I've been spending time with God and they're going to feel on you peace that they don't have and they're going to want the peace that you have there's going to be a harvest here that's coming through the prayer that you're feeling in your soul there's going to be a warfare here that you have victory over because of the prayer in your soul here's what I feel to tell all of you I want you to look at me right now I want you to stand to your feet musicians get ready to come This is what I feel. We have for so long come to church looking for an outpouring. And that happens because that's of God. But we have neglected our homes as a sanctuary. You have to understand that the design of God in Genesis was he said this. He said there would be a garden in Eden and that's where he'll place man I'm going to build a home in this whole Eden thing it's going, to be a, it's going to be a little micro Eden within the Eden and look at where the river of God flows into the garden the outpouring was flowing in the home where he placed Adam and Eve that's where it was 
And I feel strongly, and I believe this with all my heart, that outpourings were supposed to go through living rooms, bedrooms, between a man, his wife, and his kids. As prayer begins to pour out in the house, and we're supposed to come together as a body of believers, as a bunch of little micro-Edens, coming here and bringing what we got home with us. And when we join all those prayer homes together in one building, the guests feel it. We're edified by it. We're inspired by our brethren and our sisters. We are provoked and spurred by the spirituality of someone who's been praying in a living room all week. And as they came here, we're supposed to be walking in such a dimension that people walk in here and they feel a stirring in their life. And they look at somebody across the room and they'd say, I know it's in the middle of worship service, but I got a word for them. I got a word for them. I felt this. God gave me a dream last night. God gave me a vision the other day and you were in it. And I'm here to speak to you. I'm here to encourage you. The stirring up of the gifts within me is for your benefit. I want to minister to the body right now. That happens home prayer meetings but I think it unique that when the, the river left the garden, the Bible said it divided what flows into the garden is always unified and what leaves it divides there's supposed to be a flow of the spirit in houses everywhere husbands I want you to raise your hands you're the priest. You're the priest of that home. Let me tell you why I'm so passionate about this. My grandfather, who was a sharecropper farmer, they had a season where there was a drought. It was about to go under. Had no food, had no finances. And Papa Diaz, I had my mom for Christmas last year. I, I did this online thing where I get to ask her questions. She types them up and they're going to print it out into a book. We're about to get the book this year. And I've been asking her questions about Papa Diaz because he was a man of God. And one of those stories in this book that my mom is getting ready to have published for our family, so I give it to my kids, is Juan Diaz is sitting there, and he calls all the kids, all five kids come into the, the living room. My grandmother, Emma Diaz, all a five-foot-four firecracker of a woman, walks in there. He looks at them sitting on his lounge chair. He looks at all the kids, looks at my grandmother, and he says, I'm not going to lie to you kids. We've had no rain. And because of the occupation I have, your daddy don't have any money right now. So what we're going to do is we're going to grab hands right here in this living room. And we're going to pray to the God of the harvest. And I will speak to you in prophecy that God will send us rain the moment we say amen. He grabbed hands and my mom says she'll never forget. He began to pray. He sat there and he said, God, you're my father. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen your seed beg for bread. Now, father, we ask you through supplication that you send us rain. My mom tells me the story that all of a sudden in that little bitty humble home of, 
I don't even know how many square feet, but not even big enough for five kids and two parents. Metal roof. She said she started hearing the tink, tink, tink. They looked out the window, and they saw storm clouds rolling in. And then all of a sudden, the bottom dropped out as a downpour happened. Mom, my uncle, my aunts, they all ran out to the front yard, and they were looking at the rain as it fell. They ran into the living room, and they said, Dad, it's raining. He never even got up. He sat there, and he said, I know it is. I know it's raining. Because when we come to the Lord in spirit and in truth, he hears and he answers at his appointed time. I'm not surprised by the rain because I know he hears us. My mom said they ran to the edge of, the, of their fields and it rained only on the Diaz fields. It rained nowhere else. So you know who was blessed? Papa Diaz's boss who owned the fields. The people who weren't even living this faith were blessed by the prayers of a man of God who called his family. You know what that man of God did? He was so inspired by all of these things that one day my grandpa was running a tractor, fell off of it on accident. The tractor ran over him and broke his back. And Papa in the field began to pray. My grandmother in that little humble home began to intercede. And she stopped and she told all of the kids, she said, something's not right in the spirit. Something's wrong with your father. And she said, the spirit of intercession is on me. She called all the kids around. They began to pray. And she said, God, I don't have a car. I can't get to my Juan Diaz. I need you to send somebody. All of a sudden, about three minutes later, a knock was on the door. She opened it up, and there was an, a man who wasn't even Holy Ghost filled. It was the man who owned the field that rain fell on because of the prayers of a Juan Diaz. It was my grandpa's boss. And he said, for some reason, I woke up this morning, and I felt like I was supposed to come to your house. Can you tell me why? She said, I can tell you exactly why, because I prayed for you to be sent here and you're here, take me to my wand. And they took him out to the field, and there was my papa laying in the field with a broken back. And he said, this is what it feels like when somebody prays. And she said, you're blessed because of that man of God, that prophet over there. They rose him up. They brought him to the hospital. The doctors told him he'd never work again because of a broken back. He looked at the doctors, and he said, you don't know my God, and I know how to pray. And right there, he made supplication. He said, God, i got to provide for my family. If you sent rain through prayer, you'll send healing through prayer. They healed him. And three weeks later, he was sitting on a tractor. A few months later, my, my, my aunt had a high, high fever, 105 fever. It was so bad that it caused her to have brain meningitis. They put her in the hospital with a coma. And you, you want to see somebody that's going through fire. My grandpa said, God, when's it going to let up? When's it going to let up? But this is what he did. After the doctor said, your daughter will not make it. She has brain meningitis. She, if she doesn't die, she'll spend the rest of her life a vegetable. My grandfather looked at him and he said, I'm going to go talk to God about that myself. He went on a five-day fast. On the fifth day, he was sitting in his car in the hospital parking lot. And he said the glory of God fell in that car. And he knew what it felt like when the glory fell. And he said, I felt the glory. He looked at my grandmother and he said, Sarah's going to be fine. They walked into the hospital. The doctor ran down the aisle and he looked at him and he said, Mr. Juan, your daughter's made an uptick. She's doing much better. He looked at him with boldness in his back. And he looked at him and he said, you have prayer to thank for that. same man though I got to watch as he got into a car accident in his 70s 
complete left side of his body crushed, all of it broken on the left side. He's laying in the bed. He's got a bolt in the top of his head holding his neck perfectly in alignment. I walked in there, and my aunt, who's backslidden, she looked at him. She said, Dad, you're a man of prayer. Why, can this, why is this happening to you? Why is all this happening to you? It seems like God would just not let this happen to such a powerful man of God. And I watched him. He raised his right hand because his left one was broken. He said, I was chosen for the fire. And he looked at her and he said, what you don't know is angels have been here last night speaking with me. Angels have ministered to me. And angels have told me everything's going to be fine. What you don't know is the rest of the story, that we have backsliders in our family. And one by one by one, they started coming back. Because they saw the resiliency and the prayer life of a man with a blacksmith. The spoiler came multiple times to Juan Diaz. But every time they showed up, he said, the weapons of my warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God. And he pulled down strongholds. He held things back from our family. He held it all back. He was a living, walking prophecy. Man of God. The most impactful thing I've ever seen in my life is I went in that little humble, single wide trailer. And I went looking for Papa Diaz. I wanted to talk with him one day. And there he was. I walked by the bathroom. And he had a gap that big at the bottom of the door. And I saw the soles of his shoes. And I walked out. I didn't know that was his prayer time. I asked my grandmother. I said, Nanny, where's Papa? She said, he's in his prayer room, mijo. He's seeking the face of God. He's 78 years old. He was in there for almost two hours. He came out. Nobody even heard him talk about it. He didn't say anything. He never preached a message, but in a wheelchair he rolled out, and I could see glory all over his face as a man who was strong in the Spirit, and that is reserved for every child of God. And so this is what I ask. I want families to come to the altar. Husbands and wives, come with your children. Teenagers, I see you sitting with your friends, but I want you to go find your family. If you don't have anybody here that is family, if you're a teenager and your parents don't come to church, I want you to join with somebody. Somebody adopt a teenager right now because we're brothers and sisters, and we're all in the family of faith. But I want you to come forward right now. If you're here and you're single, you don't have a husband or a wife, I want you to join with somebody. If you're a widow, or join with somebody. We're all a family, but I want you, everyone with a family unit, and I want you to take your hands as one single unit, and I want you to stretch them forth towards heaven. And as they begin to sing, I felt this song when y'all were singing. I asked my brother, I said, can you make sure this is sung at altar call? He said, yes, definitely. It was prophetic in nature. The lyrics of it fit in perfect alignment with the season of this church. As they began to sing, I believe angels are going to come into this room, and it's going to minister to each and every one of you. But I want you to lift up holy hands right now. No doubting. No anger. No wrath. And I want you to lift up your voices in one single unified body of Christ. And I want you to go run after with all your might, that warfare. I want you to run after with intercession, after those weapons. I want you to get your blacksmith back. I want you to get everything back. There is a harvest in this city. There is a power upon every home. There is authority in every household. Every man of God in this room, you are called of God as someone used in the spirit. Every woman of God in this room, God is anointing you. Right now, go get your blacksmith. Let a cry into the Spirit go forth right now as intercession comes over you. 
Let's go. 
reveal two things in the spirit for this great group of people. Two things in the spirit. And then we're going to be dismissed. One, we need to understand what intercession is. We know what prayer is. We know what supplication is. The Bible said he made all supplication, prayer, and intercession. What is intercession? I was asking God this very question one day. And while in prayer, I saw a vision of heaven and I saw God speaking in heaven. But it was going through the the heavenly realm like it was an echo and it was just bouncing all around but it never came here on this earth and I asked God I said well God I said how come your voice isn't coming here why is it just bouncing around up there and echoing he said the door that is to be opened to bring what is in heaven there is intercession when you begin to intercede it's the voice of God coming out of you and you opened up the doorway by making yourself available. And when you made yourself available, the reality of heaven comes into this atmosphere through you, the little doorway. You just opened it up. And I have not seen one time when intercession broke forth that something didn't happen in that church, in that family's life. 100% success rates. But the Bible tells us that his eyes went to and fro throughout all of Israel and he was burdened because he couldn't find one intercessor. So this is what he did. He said, I will therefore send forth my own right hand. And God came forth in the man Jesus. And that's why the Bible said he ever liveth to make intercession on behalf of the people. So people ask me all the time, how do you get in the presence of God? I said, well, since he's ever living to make intercession for the people, I'm going to make myself available to intercession. And when I do, I just pull up right along that, alongside of him. And I'm right there with him. You can't make intercession happen. You can't force it. You just make yourself available. And God's always talking, though. And when he speaks, it comes through you. And it doesn't mean you're more spiritual than somebody else. It doesn't mean somebody's not spiritual. It just means God chose that vessel to pour out for that moment. Stick around a little while. He'll use you eventually. But intercession has to come forth. The second thing I just want to leave you with is I have felt a burden, Brother Murphy. And I have been joined with 23 spiritual people with a specific objective. God gave me a vision of prayer, and I just said, God, I don't know how to pray 24-7. You haven't given me the energy to do that. That's impossible because you have designed me to rest, and I want to spend time with my family. But, God, I want prayer to be going up 24-7. I want it to be a constant flame because you said to never let the flame go out. How, did, how do I do that? And he spoke to me. He said, unity. He said, you can do that through unity. You need your brothers and sisters. So I linked with 23 spiritual men of God. And what we do is we all have an hour. And it's always rotating, so we're not stuck on the same hour every single day. And the stipulation of being in this prayer chain, I'm going to call your name as well as the other 22 men up. And you do it for me. My name goes before the throne 24 hours a day. Dusty Young's name goes before the throne 24 hours a day. Andre Gomez, all the way in California, his name goes before the throne 24 hours a day. Could you imagine what will take place in your own life if your name is going before the throne for 24 hours a day? 
So I want to challenge you on an individual basis. Link up with people. It may not be 24 hours, but could you imagine 12 hours a day? Could you imagine five hours a day? prayer for you? Could you imagine the unseen strength that would come alongside you? Could you imagine what God would begin to do through you as we're going before the throne? I want to challenge you to unify with people of prayer. Talk to people about prayer. Ask them what they're feeling in prayer. And I believe we're going to see what God has designed for Baton Rouge. I felt it when I came here this morning. God's hands on this church, Bill Murphy. God's hands on you. God's hands on you. He's given you a vision. For the first quarter of this year, you have heard from God, and you know you have. And these people are going to walk in dimensions of the Spirit that grace has never seen before. Not because you weren't spiritual in the past, but because the time is now. The time is now. Before we dismiss, I want you to lift your hands up, and I want you to consider the things of God and of prayer. God's probably already dropped a few people into your mind right now that you want to link up with. This don't have to be a church-wide program. This can be just, I want to link up with families and I want to pray. When you're together, I don't want to talk about problems. I don't want to talk about what's going on. I don't want to talk about stuff going on in politics. We're, just, we're going to talk about prayer. That's all we're going to talk about. Link up. Pray about it. Let God show you a vision right now of those people. Now, would you lift up your voice and make yourself available through the upward speech? Here I am, God. Use me. Here I am, God. Send me. Here I am, God. I'm available to you. Brother Holloway, in just the past few moments, has brought more than an idea he's brought a solution to a lot of the conflict and struggle discouragement, depression that a lot of us have felt in the year 2022 and that's to link up with people to pray now, I think most of us pretty much know who would and who wouldn't and probably a lot of people would want to be a part of a, a, a prayer link so they would be prayed for, but not really pray themselves too much. Either way, I want us to move in faith. I want us to move in confidence. And by next Sunday, those of you that want to participate in just forming your own group, your own prayer group, pray together different times throughout the day. Pray at home. You're welcome to come here and do it. We have a prayer room in classroom one back here. We have an area set up in each corner of the A Center that you can pray. They're already there. Um, you can pray at home, whatever you need to do. But by next Sunday, I'm going to ask as many that want to to reach out to the people around you that you trust. It can be your friends. It doesn't have to be your friend. What it needs to be is a person that will pray. That's what it needs to be. But to join hands, to join hearts, to join vision. And let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, find somebody to connect with. Thank the Lord. Brother Holloway has brought more hope and more promise to Grace Church. I uh, am overwhelmed at some things he said, uh, things that I've only shared with a handful of people. And um, I'm encouraged today. I feel very uplifted. I feel very encouraged today that 
Grace Church is going to move forward this year like a militant army of believers that have refused to give up, refused to quit. Thank the Lord. Would you make your appreciation known to him if you have the opportunity? Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. God bless you. Remember prayer this week, this uh, Tuesday morning at 10. Be back here Wednesday night for Bible study for our missionary. But let's proceed out of here in faith. Everybody say, I believe. You believe it? I believe. Amen. Thank the Lord. God bless you. Greet one another. Fellowship with one another. And we'll look forward to seeing you this coming week. Thank you, Jesus. There's a home.